This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. It's been a few weeks since we did the review of El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, but Josh and I are back to talk about Season 2, Episode 6, Peekaboo. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to talk about this episode because I think that through two seasons, two and a half, one and a half seasons, I guess, at this point, this is probably my favorite episode that we've seen. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I think we'll get into it, and I think the reason will become clear, but especially when we talk about our MVP of the episode, but... Yeah, there there's uh, some great stuff in this episode. I really it's it's one of those episodes that's sort of a slow burn. It's not one of those ones that has a lot of action. It doesn't have a lot going on, but the stuff that it does have in it, I think is really great. With the exception of one thing, which I'll point out in the nitpicks, which is not really a nitpick, but I will talk about it there and you'll know. Oh, you'll know. I I look forward to hearing about that. This would not make it in my top, probably even my top 3 episodes of the ones we've seen so far. But wow, I do okay. agree with your point about it being a slow burn and showing us a lot. And we get we get some really good dialogue. We get some really good acting performances. So this is overall a very good episode. And I think that point about this being a slow burn, this is, I think, where Breaking Bad, the series, and Vince Gilligan really shine. Because this show is able to give us action-packed sequences where we're on the edge of our seats. And it's able to give us really, really strong character development and plots unfolding in the span of a 45 minute episode that that is very slow and does feel at times drawn out but it's also engrossing so i think this is a great example of exactly what that is the plan for today josh one we're getting a little better at getting these things a little bit shorter so we're shooting for 30 minutes (laughs) two (laughs) we're gonna do a two minute summary in the beginning where we just talk about the show briefly it'll be a little bit longer than two minutes only because i've got a couple of audio clips that I want to play in this summary. And then we're going to talk, as we always do, about best scene, best writing, best moments, nits nits to pick, and then we will do our MVP vote. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right, let's go off and running then here. So as I mentioned, the episode is called Peekaboo. It starts with Jesse and Skinny Pete meeting up so that Pete can give Jesse the address of the drug-addicted couple who robbed him. You may recall from the previous episode that Pete was selling his wares on the street and got held up at knife point by a man and a woman. And he finds the address of this couple and further tells Jesse that the man's name is Spooge, which Jesse, <laughs> Jesse, what a is, name. What Jesse's a name. not impressed that uh, Pete got robbed at knife point by a guy named Spooge. <laughs> um, so Jesse goes to the house with a pistol, but he finds a place empty save for a small redhead child who looks adorable, probably about three years old. And it's so sad because this kid looks like he has not had a bath in six months and looks like he does not have any good food to eat on any regular basis. It's really a a horrifying thought. This is exactly the type of situation that you think of as like a child becomes a ward of the state because they are being essentially abused via neglect. Uh, and it's it's a really horrifying thing to watch. When my wife watched this with me, she could barely watch because it's just such a horrifying thing to see a child in that situation. But Jesse sees that. He is actually similarly horrified, uh, as we are. I think this is sort of further evidence of Jesse's goodness that we that appeals to us as a viewer. But Jesse waits for the couple to return. When they do, he holds them up at gunpoint and says, I need my money back. You stole from me. You owe me. 
Um, then we we cut to Walt giving a lecture to his class in high school. He's back from chemo, back at work, and he's talking about the inventor of of the synthetic diamond and how he received no fair payment for his work. And I'm going to play that scene right here. H. Tracy Hall, write this name down. Dr. Hall invented the first reproducible process for making synthetic diamonds. I mean, this is way back in the 50s. Now today, synthetic diamonds are used in oil drilling, electronics, multi-billion dollar industries. Now at the time, Dr. Hall worked for General Electric and he made them a fortune. I mean, incalculable. You wanna know how GE rewarded Dr. Hall? A $10 US savings bond. All right, so that's the, that's the scene where uh, Walt is teaching his class. I want to come back to that in the nits to pick, Josh, because I've got a few nits to pick with that scene specifically. But that dialogue does set up some future conversation in the show that will in the episode that we'll get to. So he gives that lecture and then we cut to Skylar. She gets a call from Gretchen at home and she thanks Gretchen for the generous payments for Walt's cancer treatment. Now, of course, Gretchen doesn't know about this because she hasn't been paying for Walt's cancer treatment. Walt has been self-funding this through his uh burgeoning meth empire and so Gretchen's like wait a minute she does she doesn't tip Skylar off but she's like wait a minute what in the world is going on so she visits Skylar tells Skylar that the uh the treat the money for the treatments will have to stop and then uh Walt comes home while Gretchen's there he says we have to talk and Gretchen drives off they have not they, they do not resolve to meet in person they, they do later and we'll get to that point um and then we see Walt going to lunch with Gretchen and the conversation very quickly turns ugly and Gretchen leaves in tears. And I'm going to play at least the first or at least one part of that conversation. Now we will come back to this in just a moment and give you another part of the conversation. But here is at least how some of the conversation goes with Walt as it as it starts to turn pretty acrimonious. What happened to you? Really, Walt? What happened? Because this isn't you. What would you know about me, Gretchen? What would your presumption about me be exactly? That I should go begging for your charity and you waving your checkbook around like some magic wand is going to make me forget how you and Elliot, how you and Elliot cut me out. What? my hard work, my research, and you and Elliot make millions off it. All right, so that conversation did not go well, Josh. Uh, Gretchen leaves that in tears. That's not even the end. We'll play the end in just a moment. But she leaves in tears, and then we cut back to to the ranch where Jesse is uh, or has been overpowered by the... uh, by Spooge and his assistant. Although I I don't think I mentioned before that, uh, and we'll play this clip coming up too, um, Spooge shows Jesse that they have actually stolen an ATM. And he says, we'll get you your money. We just got to break into the ATM. Uh, but then they actually knock Jesse out. So he's unconscious. Um, while he is re- regaining consciousness, the woman actually kills uh, her her partner because he calls her a skank. And uh, then she shoots up and goes high while Jesse comes to the uh, ATM 
money starts flying out of the ATM. Jesse grabs the money, sets the kid up with a blanket at the front porch, calls 911, tells the kid to stay still and play peekaboo. So that's, you know, cover your eyes so you don't see anything. Um, and that's that. And then at the end, we see, um, or I guess that's the very end of the episode. Just prior to that, Walt returns home after lunch with Gretchen and learns what Gretchen told Skyler. And then he um, he lies to Skyler. And here's that scene where Walt is lying to Skyler. And then we'll be off and we can talk about best scene, Josh. Where were you tonight? I drove up to Santa Fe. I was with Gretchen. Well, Gretchen and Elliot. Oh, she just, she just couldn't bring herself to tell you today. I mean, she couldn't tell me either, really. I mean, there was a lot of hemming and hawing and beating around the bush from both of them. Okay, what, tell us what. Well, there was a lot of business phraseology being tossed around, you know, things like, uh, cash poor and leveraged and quarterly decline, yada, yada, yada. But what they were truly saying, in, in my opinion, <laughs> they're broke. All right, so there's the, uh, the elaborate lie to Skyler. And this is pretty flagrant, Josh, because he's just doubling down on this and now saying... Not only have they been paying for my cancer treatment, but they are now bankrupt. It's interesting because this seems like a more risky lie because this is pretty easily verifiable. You can find out if someone's bankrupt by just, you know, over time, do they continue to live their same lifestyle that they've been leaving, living? Um, but two, the other point I wanted to make on here, do you remember how I said that I think Walt has a tell when he's lying? Yeah. And the tell is just that he gets very wordy. Well, compare his conversation with Gretchen that was very terse very direct, very carefully chosen words and sp spared his breath to this one where he is going on and on trying to justify to Skyler what he heard and how he heard it and why he heard it. So it just reinforces in my mind that this is Walt's tell that when he's lying, he gets really wordy and talks a lot and tries to talk his way out of it. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed about Walt is that it seems like he only thinks about the current moment so ever since he started his his meth making business, when he has to tell a lie, he's only thinking about how do I get out of this at this very moment and I'll figure the rest out later. And I think the part of that is his ego thinking, I'll tell the lie now and then I'll figure it out later. And he usually does, but that's pretty risky. I think to your point, it's like this is easily verifiable that they are not broke and he's really he's walking a balance beam here that he's surely going to fall off of. Oh yeah. 100%. It's just a matter of time. And I think you're right. His gamble is I can solve this problem before the time runs out, but, but Oh, what a tangled web he weaves. And that, that problem statement gets more and more complicated. The more he <laughs> weaves these lies. Can I also just say with regards to the Jesse portion of this episode, do you think it's, it's probably not on his resume that he was overpowered by a guy named Spooge, right? Like he, he's not going to brag uh, yeah. about that, the skinny Pete and Badger. <laughs> right, exactly. I also have, Josh, I have that clip about the victimless crime. Do you want to play that now or do you want to wait, wait a yeah, little we, bit later? We can, we can save it for a little bit later. Okay, sounds good. Well, let's move on to best scene. I know we both had the same one and it's one that we've already talked about briefly and that's just the, the conversation between Walt and Gretchen 
in that restaurant. So um, that was when I played the scene where she said, I don't know what happened to you. And he says, you took my idea, you stole my money, you you uh, took it off from me, etc. So you can obviously, obviously see a clear linkage between the H. Tracy Hall high school chemistry class lesson. This man invented the synthetic diamond and got a $10 savings bond. And Walt, who sees himself as a you could say a modern day H. Tracy Hall, who did all this work for uh, what would eventually become, um, what is it? Uh, what's gray the, matter. Dark matter, right? Gray matter. Uh, gray matter, thank you. Yeah, black and white. Um, gray matter, and they stole it from him and he got nothing, right? So he's, he's H. Tracy Hall. You can see a very clear connection there, uh, perhaps too clear, we'll get to that. <laughs> but this is, this is the scene. And I chose this because I think this highlights Walt's, developing character and Gretchen's vulnerability. She does a, the, I, the actress, uh, I don't know her name, but she does a fantastic job in this. I'll look it up in just a second, unless you know it offhand, Josh. She I does a very know. good job um, making the tears flow and she looks very sincere and this is a very convincing conversation between Walt and Gretchen. I also, by the way, Josh, I, I double tapped this one to also make it my best writing uh, selection for the show because I think this is just such a powerful moment. Clearly the central element of this episode and very well done between Brian Cranston and Gretchen Hall, who is played by one second. Oh, darn it. Google's filling me. It's not quick enough, but uh, I'll, I'll come back with that in just a moment. Yeah. I think that the reason that I like this scene so much is more to do with the fact that I think it's pretty risky for a show to go. I guess this is episode 14 of the show overall, maybe 13 something like that. It's pretty deep into the show's run to not have explained much of the backstory between Walt and Gretchen and his past life. And because that seemingly seemingly gets him to go down this road of cooking meth because he had this past that he basically failed in a certain way or left the company or whatever the case may be, that sort of drives him to want to do something for himself. I think it's pretty great that the show waited this long to sort of delve a little bit deeper into this. And we still don't even get like a huge amount of information. We do hear in this scene that Gretchen says that Walt left and left her specifically. So it does sort of confirm what we thought we knew from from one of those flashbacks where they were together as a couple. But I really like that we waited this long to explore this because that to me is the is the sign of a good story when you don't have to spoon feed the audience information to get them interested. And you can sprinkle things like this in throughout the series, throughout the show to give them the information they need. I would add too that it's, it's this specifically, this fact that we don't know enough about the backstory between Gretchen and Walt. And by the way, I think I might have said Gretchen Hall. I'm not sure why, why, where that came from, but Gretchen Schwartz, played by Jessica Hecht. And by the way, Jessica Hecht plays in uh, six six years of episodes of in Friends uh, as hmm. Susan. Oh, um, okay. Just a small little trivia note for you there. But yeah, Jessica Hecht. So she does a great job in the scene. But just to add to your point, Josh, I think the lack of us understanding the backstory between these two is another thing that works in the show's favor because, as we've talked about, the central question of Breaking Bad, is Walt a bad man gone worse or a good man gone bad? And the fact that we don't know if he really is a man aggrieved, if if he was really the wronged party in this whole gray matter fiasco, makes us sort of waffle on that question a little bit. 
is he justified in having this sharply worded offensive conversation with Gretchen and not caring about her and Elliot's welfare? Or is he a bad man because they did treat him well and he's the one who walked away as she asserts in this conversation, et cetera. And we, we simply don't know the answer to that. So it leaves it as an open question about how to judge Walt's character. Yeah, and the other thing that I like about this scene in particular is that it provides Brian Cranston with an opportunity to do some really good acting. And I think that what's interesting about this scene is that as you mentioned before, a lot of the times we're seeing Walt, he's he's either telling a, a full lie or half lie or he's trying to cover up something about himself. Here, I mean, he doesn't get into the whole meth cooking thing, but he really lets loose. Like he gives it to her exactly what he's feeling. He's not holding back anything. Like you mentioned before, he's really terse. He's saying exactly what he wants to say and he doesn't feel like he needs to hold back. And I think that those moments are where we get the best acting from Gr- Brian Cranston. No doubt at all. And, you know, Josh, on uh, on Vernacular recently, we, we talked about Ad Astra and Brad Pitt's incredible acting performance using his eyes. And Brian Cranston's eyes are, are pretty active in this scene as well because he's very intense with his eyes. He is not shirking eye contact at all. Obviously, that is a pretty hallmark sign of someone who is being dishonest if they're unwilling to look their interlocutor in the eyes. And he is staring Gretchen down as he as he tells her exactly what he thinks, like you said. And I think at this point, Josh, I just want to play the very end of this conversation because there's a, and I will give a disclaimer, there's a strong uh, word of profanity in this scene. So if you are listening around young ears, you might want to fast forward a few seconds. But this is Walt being very direct to Gretchen, um, very harshly worded. And this is what basically drops the hammer in the conversation and, and forces her to leave the restaurant in tears. I don't even know what to say to you. I don't even know where to begin. I feel so sorry for you, Walt. Fuck you. So that's it, Josh. Now, in many instances, whenever there's a show or a movie that uses that strong of language, I often think there is something that you could have done better here to capture the sentiment that's being expressed. And it's sort of lazy, creative shorthand to just use a four-letter profanity when you could have had more constructive or expressive dialogue. This is one of the rare instances where I think that word is called for. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, like that, that kids should watch this and learn from it and everything, but that word in this context, in this scene, expresses from Walt's point of view such a callous disregard for the welfare of Gretchen and Elliot, but really Gretchen specifically, I think, um, in view of their romantic history, a complete uh, sort of objectification of her and um, his callousness and his sort of descent into darkness. And the fact that he says it with with the intense stare that he does makes it a, vis- a very visually arresting scene as well and shows us this man is is going down a dark, dark path. Yeah, and it gives us the Brian Cranston growl. That like exactly. guttural, that guttural growl. No, I totally agree with you. And I, and I anticipate that's why you picked it as well for your best writing, because it's it's moments like that that show just the care that went into the writing of the dialogue 
you know, they could have done something where they had him, you know, expound and give a long monologue, but that's really not what the character and the moment called for. And so I think that's an example of really strong writing there. Right. Exactly. So that's, that was our best scene. That was our best writing. Do you want to talk about your best writing selection? Yeah, so my best writing, it's a little bit of a cheat for this episode because I didn't pick a specific moment, although I do have one that I want to play that Zach mentioned earlier. But I really like the whole Jesse storyline in this episode, and I think that the reason that I like it so much is for a couple reasons. It's it's humorous, but it's also really dark, so it has both those elements. So Zach already mentioned the, the dark element of it, the fact that there is a three-year-old boy who's been neglected by his drug abusing parents and Jesse confronts that really head on and it really shows Jesse's humanity. It does have humor and this little clip we're going to hear here is Spooge taking Jesse out to the back to show him where the ATM is that they stole. Yo, that's my bank. So it's FIDC insured, yo. It's a victimless crime. FIDC insured. <laughs> FIDC insured, yo. That, that, that part is so great. I just, I just love the humor in that, in that, you know, this guy, Spooge, who, who doesn't, he doesn't seem to have uh, many brain cells left at this point. No, no, you know, he's, zero. he's, he's boosted this ATM and he, he's trying to show it off. And Jesse's reaction is, yo, that's my bank. <laughs> and you never really think about Jesse banking because he is a, it's uh, a meth dealer. Uh, right. I don't know what where he's taking all that money, but uh, we'll find out later in the series about the money laundering that has to happen. But I just love that that scene in particular there. But I think the reason that I like the Jesse storyline the most is something that we talked about on an earlier episode where we're talking about Walt and how Walt often feels like what he's doing as a meth cooker is personal. So he says, I can do it myself. I'm not hurting my family. I'm making the money and I basically cook the meth and then I give it to someone else to sell and I don't have to worry about anything else. But what I really like about this, this whole scene, this whole, I guess it's, it's probably the A storyline of this, this, uh, this episode is that this shows directly the result that Walt's business is having on real people. So not necessarily the two drug users, the mom and the dad here, but the young child who is been abused and neglected. And that could be indirectly related to Walt cooking meth. Now, I'm not saying that we have to excuse the, the characters who have chosen to use the drugs, but if Walt's not cooking meth and if everybody were to stop cooking meth, these people wouldn't have access to the drugs. And... You know, I do. I don't want to make light of the fact that addiction is a disease, but the fact of the matter is that this this storyline sets up the fact that Walt is not doing this in a vacuum, and that what he's doing by cooking meth has an effect that reaches f- much further than he would have ever imagined. I think that's a great point, and it actually segues into my best moment, and I think your best moment as well, which are different best moments, but both involve the Jesse storyline. So my best moment is the very end, Peekaboo. I don't have the clip to play for you, but Jesse is acting as a father figure to this young boy who's been the victim of horrible, horrible neglect. And he's very tender in the way he deals with this boy as he's trying to get this boy out of the situation, wraps him up in a blanket, Tells them we're going to play peekaboo. So close your eyes and you know keep them closed and cover them with your hands while we go through this horrific 
scene of murder in your house and sets him on the porch and says, it's part of the game. You just stay out here and keep watching uh, or, or keep your, you know, keep uh, playing peekaboo until the, the police come and he calls the police and then gets out of there. And I think this is just, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful moment because we see the tenderness of Jesse and his regard for someone else, even in the midst of such a horrifying situation that he just witnessed. He wants to care for the boy. And he recognizes, I think, that the boy's situation does not need to become what Jesse's situation is. Jesse's obviously caught up in the world of drugs in a different way than this boy's parents were, obviously, but still in a related way. It's the world of drugs. And the world of drugs is a is a dark world involving addiction and violence and um, you know, love of money and and all of these things that Jesse, I think, realizes he's caught in, but doesn't want the same future for this kid. And so he's trying to get the kid out of this. And I think it's a sort of it's a scene of redemption for Jesse in a way. Yeah, and I think it further juxtaposes the character of Walt and Jesse because the scenes that we're seeing with Walt, he's being very selfish. He's trying to cover for himself. He's not thinking about anybody else. He's, in fact, not only is he doing that, he's being aggressive towards other people by putting them down. And then you have on the other side of this, Jesse thrown into the situation where he's asked to go, not ask, he's told by Walt to go get this money back from these two people who stole it. Because you might remember from the end of the last episode, Walt puts the gun in front of him and says, you need to go fix this. So Jesse is put in this bad situation and he is trying to make the best of it. So he's trying to help someone who here is a victim of these, this poor parenting and this abusive, neglectful relationship he has with his parents. And I think that it just further goes to show you the incredible like gap between the character of Jesse and the character of Walt. Even if you looked on the surface and said, look, they're both cooking meth. They're both in this drug world. They're not the same. Right. Yeah, completely agree. So my best moment is a very short scene that happens at the very beginning of the of the episode. And it's actually something that is shown again in the El Camino movie. So we won't talk about that on this podcast since we did spoil Breaking Bad and that movie in that episode. But this scene is repeated in the movie. In, in a similar way. So Jesse is standing on the corner at the beginning of the episode waiting for Skinny Pete to come and he sees this bug start to crawl along his foot. And most people's reaction to seeing a bug, I, I will be forthcoming here, is to get away or to step on it or to get rid of it in some sense. So just, let me just pause you here. Josh, we were at the zoo today and um, one of my daughters found a little cricket on the ground and was just standing there and looking at the cricket and we all looked at it and talked about the cricket and then we moved on to go find some cool animals at the zoo and my other daughter remained you know a few feet behind us and then she ran up and said I stepped on the bug <laughs> we said <laughs> we said why did you step on the bug she was like I didn't like the color of the bug <laughs> yeah poor bugs they, they, they get like, a bad rap so so we talked about you know respecting all of creation and all living <laughs> things and and how we're yeah. gonna not step on bugs anymore because we don't like their color <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably not a great reason to step on a bug. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that, so the way Jesse reacts is he lets the bug crawl over. I think he even lets it crawl over his hand. Like he picks it up and then he lets it keep crawling along. Yeah. Yeah. And then skinny Pete comes along and immediately sees the bug and squishes it rather aggressively. Like not, doesn't just step on it, but like slams his foot down. <laughs> well, and, 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 and <laughs> one little nit to pick I have there is that the sound effect is a little overkill because you don't actually oh yeah. see him squish you. The, the shot, it's kind of a cool shot, but it's, it's from the ground up. 
Yeah. And and you hear it and it's just like, well, that's a little fake. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like Skinny Pete was stepping on a mammal. It's like yeah. the amount of the amount of squish that came out yeah. of that. Lots of squelching going on. Yeah. So what I really like about this moment though is it just further highlights sort of Jesse's ability and desire to look after even the like most vulnerable creatures. And I think that's it's a better foreshadowing moment than the one I think you're going to pick out as one of your nitpicks. It's a better foreshadowing moment for the episode of Jesse and his journey through this through this story. So I, that's why I picked it as my best moment. It's very small and it happens very quickly, but I think it was really well done. Yeah, and I love that that those two the are our best moments actually. Your you know, your moment with the bug at the very beginning and my moment of peekaboo with the boy at the very end, those bookend the episode and yeah. tie together what you've identified as the the Jesse storyline throughout the the episode. It's very, very good. Um okay, final uh final segment here before our MVP votes, nits to pick. So I've got um one sort of I guess two but it's all related to the h tracy hall lecture that i played a little bit now we've already established josh that whenever there is a chemistry lesson that that walt is giving that has something to do with the plot these are not you gotta random. perk your ears up yeah exactly exactly so we're every anytime we see him teaching we're like oh what's going on what what are, what is gilligan going to try to tell us here mm-hmm. and the h tracy hall conversation was interesting well done from an acting perspective uh, Brian Cranston is very good at his sort of didactic storytelling, but I think it's a little bit too on the nose. Like the, you know, just, just the, the fact that Walt goes like, you know what he got in exchange for his <laughs> efforts, a $10 savings bond. I mean, it, it was just yeah. a yeah, little yeah. bit too, a little bit too on the nose, I guess is, is the best way to say it. Um, the, but the second thing, uh, this is just a continuity error, but it's kind of a, a fun thing. The H Tracy Hall writing on the blackboard there's about three different versions of it and it changes from scene to scene while he's walking around the classroom. So he writes it once, but then when you see it in the background in various scenes, it keeps changing and you can tell it's, it's, it's subtle. They tried to sort of model it, but you can tell that the, the swoosh under it changes the, um, the sizing of the L's at the end of hall varies as well. So, um, somehow somehow uh, i'm not sure why they wouldn't just you know film all those scenes with that written on the blackboard but obviously there was a reason they had to sort of erase it and rewrite it for various shots and uh and that is a continuity error because the the writing changes yeah i'm guessing what they did is they they shot all of the scenes in full so they had him do they did a wide shot of him writing it on the board even though the one they chose for the episode was the close up of him writing it on the board that's the best that i can think of why that might be the case but it oh, is makes pretty sense, dis- yeah. pretty distracting when you notice that to to your point about the being too on the nose do you think that the scene would have worked better better if he had said the whole thing but left out the part that said you know what he got he only got ten dollars in a savings bond if he'd left that part out and just ended it with the story and then you and i doing our podcast years later could look up who that was and then learn that would that have been a more subtle way to weave in that story because i'd never heard of this guy before yeah, that would have been way more subtle and and fascinating too. To just be like, oh, that was the reason why this story was told. Like we were listening right. to the chemistry thing; it didn't seem related, and then there it is, boom. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be way better. I mean, it also it's, could have been a little more subtle if some if a student in class was like, "What happened to Doctor Hall after that?" And, and Brant Cranston would be like, "He got a ten dollars savings bond." <laughs> you know, the students in his class never get to speak. They don't. I never, don't think we've ever. heard them say like one word. Maybe once no, in the first season. There, yeah, there was the one where um. They asked if this was going to be on the test. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they get very <laughs> generic it. dialogue. Yeah, anybody right. can say this. Yeah, I, I only wish that when he was with Gretchen, 
he was like, you know what I got from you guys? A $15 savings bond. <laughs> Only five more than H. Tracy Hall. And let me tell you his story right now. Yeah. So he invented funny. the synthetic diamond, like the one on your finger. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I just had I just had one little nitpick, and then I had one thing that's not really a nitpick, but it's like my least favorite moment of the episode. And of course, it involves Walt Jr., a.k.a. Flynn, a.k.a. Mm. Breakfast. And so that scene, he's driving in the car with Walt, and they're having a conversation, and I don't know what it is about the scenes between the two of them. And maybe again, could you just, just don't be, like Walter Jr. <laughs> I, do, I don't, but it could, it could be intentional that the relationship is strained and they're trying to have a conversation, but the acting by Walt Jr. Not great. RJ Mitt or RJ might, I don't know how you say his last name. Not great. I mean, he's not a bad actor overall, but this scene in particular, cringeworthy, cringeworthy for me. So it almost brought the whole episode down, but then I, it was very short. So I was able to ignore it. My one nitpick though, is that at the very end of the episode, when Jesse, uh, is, is trying to get out of the house, the ATM that was impossible to open just moments before just pops open and starts shooting money out like a slot machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. Like I get that he needed to get the money because that's going to be important later that the fact that he actually gets money out of there, but you know, the whole like resolution there that it just pop and then out came the money was just a little strange a little much yeah totally agree yeah. with that um okay now we're ready for mvp votes josh so who is your mvp for this episode mvp i've talked about it a lot this episode it's got to be jesse he's got to get my vote here i just think his storyline is is excellent i think his acting is excellent and the other thing that i'll say is that fun fact that i read about this when you submit yourself for an Emmy or when your studio submits yourself for Emmy consideration, actors submit a single episode from the season that they want considered. And this is the episode that Aaron Paul submitted for this season, rightfully so. And he was nominated as a result of this, this portrayal in this particular episode. Zach, who is your MVP of this episode? That's a cool bit of trivia about uh, Aaron Paul submitting this episode for consideration. Um, You know, I think it's, it's fun Josh, when we do this, because we end up normally choosing different characters for each or different actors for each, uh, each MVP vote. And this trend continues in this episode. I think Jesse Walt Jr. You're picking Walt Jr. Aren't you? (laughs) Exactly. AKA breakfast. Uh, (laughs) I think Jesse was masterful in this episode, but I think that Brian Cranston slash Walt just had more opportunities to shine. And we saw his acting on display in the conversation with Gresham, like we talked about, and in his lie with Skyler, which we also talked about, and in, in the classroom. So we saw kind of the full gamut, uh, the many faces of Walter White, and I think he did a really good job. And really, the end of that conversation that we played with Gretchen just kind of sealed it for me because the what he was able to do with his eyes in that low sort of Brian Cranston grump, uh, growl that you, you called out, um, really, really powerful stuff. Jesse spent half of the episode unconscious on the floor of Spooge. Um, and so I think he just didn't quite have the opportunities to shine. But I, I, I obviously would select him as the runner up. Yeah, I thought you might go with Gretchen actually there. Um, since she doesn't have a lot to do in, in every episode she's in, but this one in particular, she did have a lot to do. So, but yeah, I think your choice of Walt, it, it's hard to go wrong picking him. The I think the other reason that I chose Jesse is just because it's one of the rare episodes we've seen so far where Walt in my in my mind takes a backseat to Jesse in terms of like the the arc of the story of the whole episode. I think this one starts with Jesse. It has a really powerful ending for Jesse. And so I think for me that just stood out a little bit above 
Walt in this episode. Yeah, I can definitely sympathize with that. Certainly respect the decision. Well, our total MVP votes, Josh, Jesse is at eight in the lead, Walt with six, Crazy Eight holding steady at two forevermore. Uh, Skyler with five, Tuco with four, Hank with one, Walt Jr., a.k.a. Breakfast, zero. And remaining there, holding steady at zero. <laughs> holding steady. <laughs> but that is it, Josh. Anything else to add on this episode of Breaking Pod? I think that's all I have for this episode. Great. Well, if any of our listeners would like to uh, lend us their thoughts or weigh in, you can email us, breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. We always love hearing from listeners and would love to hear what you think of this episode or maybe give us some thoughts in advance on the next episode, season two, episode seven. Um, We are excited to continue doing this. We will be back hopefully before too long. I know it was a long time since uh, the last episode podcast uh, for season two, episode five, but we will be back, I think, before uh, another month expires, for example. So thanks for listening. We appreciate your thoughts. BreakingPod at VernacularPodcast.com. We also would love a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. So if it's not too much trouble, head to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or review. Let us know what we can do better and what you like about the show. All right. That's it, Josh. That's all we got. That's all we got. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Breaking Pod. Until next time, have a great week. Bye.